invite you to pray uh, with me and for me as we enter into a time of reflection on God's word. Let us pray. God, we've come this morning to this place seeking you. We've come out in the cold for those in the house. We've, we've got our gear up online if we're in the online community, and we're here. We're here, Lord, listening for your voice. And so as we reflect on our scripture this morning, Lord, we ask that you help us set aside the things that might distract us from your voice, from the call upon our hearts, from hearing you. And as we open up to hear that voice that is yours today, help us not just to hear, Lord, but to be ready to engage, to be ready to, to take the goodness of the challenges that you present before us out into the world, to move out into the world with boldness in your name. Lord, we pray this in the power and the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, we're, we're in this series, Show Me Jesus, and just to put it in context a little bit, Show Me Jesus, our current series, is in the midst of the big umbrella that we're talking about, Encounter Jesus, for the whole year. So we've got Encounter Jesus. I had you pull out those cards. You can kind of use them as a reference this morning that talks about the big dare and living into those five commitment areas more deeply. And we're, we're moving, as we look at the life of Jesus in the Gospel of John, and you're reading about the life of Jesus, hopefully, in the Gospel of Matthew, that you're thinking about how you encounter Jesus, how, how Jesus can be seen, and how Jesus can be perhaps witnessed through you and your life. So we're, we're moving with this. Um, this week, uh, just for a, a word to focus you, we're talking about what it means to be bold in Jesus' name. So we just heard a really bold scripture. As we get started this morning, I'm going to take a bold move myself. And as a pastor up here, I'm going to ask you if you have your cell phone to pull it out and worship. Because we're going to use it a little bit. It's going to be a little bit fun. You don't have to do anything. But if you have or an online community, pull out your cell phones. Or if you're able uh, to tap in online in another way, do so. And the first thing I want to ask you to do, this is just an encouragement, is um, you saw where we asked you to text your attendance to this number, 29456. If you text and you go to your text, so you scroll, scroll to where you text and you click the little like pencil thing up in the corner, and if you text that number and you text DARE to that number, what it's going to do is it's going to put you as a part of a text stream that you'll get from Flores about every five days with gentle reminders about how you can live into your faithfulness in this time where we're talking about Jesus and we're talking about encounter Jesus. We promise we won't spam you. So you don't have to do this, but I'm going to encourage you today online, in person, to text 2946 and the word DARE. And that will sign you up. You'll get a welcome message there. And then about every five days, I will tell you who's behind the scenes with the text. That's your pastors. So, you know, you get a little note from us about Encounter Jesus. The pastors are putting these together. All five of your pastors across both campuses are just sending little gentle reminders to kind of keep you in cue about Encounter Jesus. So if you would consider doing that, if you don't do it this morning, consider doing this. You can kind of see, you can unsubscribe if you don't like it. It's 
going to be about every five days, um, and we won't give you anything that'll, you know, make you crazy or anything. So if you'll do that, I encourage you to do that. Now, the other thing we want to do this morning is that we want to kind of gauge where we are together with Encounter Jesus. And we did a Menti poll a little while back when Pastor Daniel was here. And so the other thing I want you to do with your phone is now go online to this website, menti.com. So you got to type that in into your URL. I'm doing it along with you. Um, and I have to admit, we had a little fail this morning in the early service. So I'm hoping that we can get this right in this service. Menti.com. All right, and type that code in because we'd like to do a little bit of survey. Congregation-wide, nothing specific. We can't track back to your phone or anything like that. This is just us seeing how we're doing together. So you're going to go to that web pay, uh, website, menti.com, and type in the code 8260349. Uh, let's see if the pastor did it right up here. I'm trying to do that and type join. And I'm in. You should have something that looks like Encounter Jesus graphic on your screen. I'll give you a minute to do that. And you'll see some of you are already ahead. You're good students. This is our text question. This is interesting. We're trying to see a text. What kind of Super Bowl food does Flores like the most? What's going to be on your Super Bowl menu? Just a text. So are you a person? I'm going to put in here, do you like those wings? Do you like the nachos, the skins? I will tell you the nachos were really winning in the first service when we got this far. So I'm going to put in what I like in here. Veggie and dip wasn't doing so well. All right, so let's see how we're doing. Okay, we're just doing it in percentages here. Look like nachos are winning again. Give you a minute. All right, online community weighing in. Skins weren't very liked in the first service. Is that because of the carbs maybe? People don't like to eat potato skins. So look at that, nachos. So you got what we're doing. Now we're going to do, hopefully, a little test on where we are with Encounter Jesus. So I'm going to ask folks to go, our, our folks to go, and it looks like it's working. So you got to read this question. This has to do with the five, your card. Which of the five practices are you engaging in now? You might not be to that goal, our goal of getting there to Christmas, you know, of worshiping every week. I will give you this hint. If you're listening to me now, you can click worship because you're doing worship. Okay, so you, can, you got that one. So let's see, which ones are you currently practicing now? And you can kind of see this has given us real-time numbers on um, on how we're doing as florists and engaging in the five commitments. And we thought this might be interesting information for you to gauge, and for us too as staff, to gauge how we're doing with the five practices. You can see worship soaring. So anybody that's got their phone out and is willing to do this this morning, again, we can't track you on this. We're just looking at the whole congregation a lot of people worship, a lot of people, Flores is a very generous congregation, right? So you see that give line increasing, and you see that we're a community of service. Looks like we, we've got a little space as you look at your cards and you're thinking about the five commitments to grow in the area of sharing our faith, inviting others, right, and in, um, in growing, you know, that, that business of getting to be a part of a small group, reading the Gospel of Matthew in this cycle, right, of being in God's Word. So you can kind of see how you stack up against other people. And that number is still going to probably change for a couple more seconds. I'm going to move to the next one. This one's asked a little bit differently. Of the five practices, which one, here you're only going to pick one, are you most excited about growing in? All right, so this is all about your excitement on this one. Which one 
are you most excited? It might be the one that you're like, hey, <laughs> I was a little bit lower. I couldn't click that button a minute ago. Which one are you most excited to grow in your practice of? And you see it populating. Isn't that cool? So let's see, what's, what's sore? And people are excited to grow in serving and in, in growing in their faith and giving. Look at share. Share Share's a little bit scary down there. Not quite as large. Let's give it a moment to populate. Thank you, online people, for being a part of this, too. So in a way that we all can be together is when we do these polls. So you get a sense. It looks like we're, we're really strongly oriented. People are wanting to serve more in this year. Isn't that something to applaud, Floris? People want to serve in, in Jesus' name. I'm so excited about that. They want to grow. Some of you want to get more engaged in worship. You know your worship attendance has not been really great. You've not been working on that prayer life as much as you can. So watch that populate. We'll give it just another minute. All right. And our last question. This is the last one we're going to ask. You can see how you stack up against others. Which of the five commitments, you're picking one here, do you find most challenging? Which one, as you look at those five, and you look at your card, and you think about what you're being asked to do with Encounter Jesus, which one just is really challenging? This is going to help us all know where, where our challenge is. You can see shares just steeping up there. The whole business about how do I invite folks? How do I share my faith story? Okay, so if you're clicking there, that's not uncommon. We can work on that in a year's time, right? We can work on that. Some giving, some making that worship commitment are, are thinking about, oh, regularly praying, play, praying as much as five times a day. That's a lot. We'll give it another minute. It looks like share for us at Flores right here at this campus. Restoration is doing this this morning too, so it'll be interesting to see how the church plant does with this in light. So sharing, total, you can look at that graph and see we're a little bit challenged. And I'll go ahead and ask our folks to Go ahead and pull that down off stream. We'll do this a little bit more as we're moving through. We'll check in maybe a time or two more before we get to Easter just to kind of take a pulse of where we are and how you can feel like other people are, because we're in this together. Uh, somebody uh, in the worship service this morning, and he came up to me and he said, huh, I'm so thankful. Like, like, I kind of forgot about the five commitments. Like, we hear you ask those, those questions of people when they come up and take membership vows, but I kind of separated myself from the core commitments that I had made to floor. So, so thank you for resurfacing. And, and he was saying it was really helping, and it's, it's helping me. I know, I know things are more present in my mind, like uh, how many times I'm praying during the day and just being in that more constant place of communicating with Jesus. And you'll see the Big Dare up there. Again, this challenge, you see that you can go to thebigdare.org for resources. You're going to get your, your text resources too. You've got your card in hand to take away this morning. It's all about Jesus. So let's bring it back to Jesus. We're in this sermon series, Show Me Jesus. We've heard this text this morning about Jesus going to the temple. We're in John chapter 2. So last week, if you were with us, um, Barbara was preaching from an early point in Jesus' ministry. She talked about how Jesus was at the wedding of Cana, and he turned the water into wine, right? That that was his, his first sign. Now, if you didn't hear that last week, you can go back and grab that, that sermon online. It's online. It's a really good sermon. Well, Jesus moves. You, you know if you know that story or you're with us last week, Jesus wasn't quite ready to start his ministry, but he did there. He stepped out and he offered his best as a sign of his ministry was coming to offer God's best for us. 
He, mo he moves from Canaan and Galilee, he kind of moves in territory, and he moves down to Jerusalem because the scripture tells us in John chapter 2 that it is the festival of the Passover. And so as we enter into sort of reflecting about that word that we talked about, bold, and Jesus coming in early in his ministry, like he's called his disciples, he's been baptized, wedding at Cana has happened in John's gospel, it's Passover time. So what does the Son of God do? The Son of God, as we talk about the five commitments, he moves into the space of his worshiping community. The worshiping community that centers around the temple in Jerusalem, and he goes to celebrate the Passover. This is Jesus. So these, these stories about Jesus moving in time, he was a young child, we know that he was found in the temple, right? That worship was important to Jesus, that fulfilling, even he's the son of God, he knows all these things, he knows all of scripture, right? But he's moving with the story of his people and the call of God to go and to remember and to celebrate the Passover. So Jesus goes to the temple, and, and you heard this as, as John's gospel tells very early in his ministry. He goes, and he sees everything that's going on in the temple, and he takes some cords, he takes some ropes, he knots them up, he makes a whip, right? And he starts clearing out the temple court with a whip. And he's turning over tables, and he's chasing out the animals, and all the business people, the salespeople, the money changers were there to, to change. The money was coming from all the region, and you had to have pure silver to buy your sacrifice. And Jesus is just upending all of this, and he's saying, you've made my father's house a place of business, a place of merchants. Jesus, think about this. Jesus had just done the wedding at Cana over in Galilee. These people don't know who he is. This Jesus shows up with this, this whip. Let's take a look. It's bold, right? Let's take a look at how the temple probably looked in that day. This is a diagram of the temple. And many of you know this, but I just kind of wanted to give you a visual. Because when we think of the temple, we think of that thing that looks like a temple where the Holy of Holies was. But if you look at this, there were different courts. The altar set in there where the sacrifices, the animal sacrifices were taking place by the, by the Jewish code. And then there was a, a, a court of Israel. That was for the men. So the males gathered near where those sacrifices were taking place. And then you can see there was a space a little further out to the exterior for the women. This is just how it was in the day. This is a holy place, the center of the worshiping life of the Jewish people. And then there was this court of the Gentiles that was the biggest court on the exterior where anybody could come and go. And that's where... The, the, the animal stalls were, that's where the money changes was happening, that's where the marketplace was happening. So when you think about Jesus moving through with a whip, he's not moving through the Holy of Holies, he's not like dancing around the altar, he's chasing people out of that common court. And if you think about this, when he enters into this, this system of, of a practice that's been going on for a while, we, we track this movement of the marketplace into the temple. They used to do this like over by the Mount of Olives in the Kidron Valley, like far away, the animal stars were over there. And then they eventually just moved him right in next to the temple. And, and Jesus is there, you know, coming to celebrate the Passover, coming from being baptized, coming from ready to start his ministry, and he finds all this going on. 
And the disciples, chapter 2, John, they're getting to know him. And, and they take a look at him, and, and they, they see him going through all this space and turning the, 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 the stuff over and chasing out the animals. And they're looking, going, they're trying to interpret what, what has happened with Jesus. Like we haven't seen him, this, this zealous, this passionate. The, the scripture says he has zeal. They call back to this quote from the psalmist. They're looking at him and they're going, oh, um, let's put that, that quote from the psalms up. They go, oh, Psalm 69 says, passion for your house consumes me. And I think that's where Jesus was. The disciples were looking at what Jesus was doing, and they hadn't seen this part of his character before. And, and his passion for his father's house has just taken him over in this place. Now, a little bit of, of biblical knowledge here, and I know we got a lot of people that know their Bible really well. If you are reading the Gospel of Matthew, this doesn't happen early in Matthew. If you've been reading, and if you haven't, you can catch up because it reads pretty quickly. But if you've been reading this cleansing of the temple, it happens where, scholars, in the Gospel of Matthew? Toward the end of his life, right? So Jesus and the other Gospel accounts, he cleanses the temple at the end of his ministry when he's getting ready to uh, face the cross. In John's gospel, he's not done much. He's showing up for the first Passover, and here he's clearing the temple. And if you compare those accounts, somebody was saying, oh, it's, they're, they're kind of like bookends, Pastor, as they were leaving their early service this morning. They are kind of like bookends. Jesus, here in John, he is very passionate He's just saying, this is my father's house. You know, get this stuff out of here. If you look over toward the end of the Gospels, Jesus is more angry. It doesn't talk about the ropes and stuff, of him making the, the whip of ropes at the other Gospel accounts. But here he's, he's making this thing of ropes, and he's just very passionate. And then what's interesting is as Jesus clears things out and he says, my, my father's house was never meant for this. This system of sacrifices, this place of the temple, this is not what my father intended. This was supposed to be a place where, where you were brought into the presence of the holy, of where you were forgiven when you offered those sacrifices, where you felt this grace upon grace. John's gospel begins in chapter 1 by saying Jesus came to offer the world grace upon grace. So Jesus, Jesus here in the gospel story, he moves out in boldness to clear. It's a wonder he wasn't killed right there for doing what he did. And he moves out. Let's look at how um, that part where we read at the end of this section of what happens with the, fest uh, the Passover festival. Let's pull that scripture of it from John. Here we go. Let's look at this. Read it on the screen. When he was in Jerusalem during the Passover festival, many believed in, the name, in his name because they saw signs that he was doing. So this whole thing, his whole experience of the Passover, John doesn't sum it up and say, wow, he was really crazy by doing that. He tells the story, but he says, at the end of this whole thing, people believed in Jesus because of the signs that he was doing. Now, for those of you that were with us last week, Barbara said signs in John's gospel is interchangeable with the word miracle. So Jesus went from this clearing out place to move to do signs, to be with people who were hurting, right? 
to move out into the miraculous work that he was called to do. The people on the margins, the people sick, the people that had been pushed to the side. Jesus began to do signs with those people, and they believed. Jesus is, is showing here how he's a bridge. He's a bridge from what's gone wrong with the religious practices and the sacrifice and all that was going on in the temple, that he's a bridge right back to the heart of God, which is that grace upon grace. A God who is compassionate, a God who wants to comfort those that are hurting. Now, as I've listened to you all at Flores and Restoration, people have told me over and again, this happened in the listening sessions, it's happened some in one-on-one conversations with you, that you all had a favorite quote from Bishop Berlin, from Bishop Tom Berlin. There was a favorite quote, and you all have given me this quote in different ways over and over. Um, Tom would say that he would hope his ministry, and he would hope the ministry here at Florist would comfort the what? That's on the screen. And afflict the comfortable. Or he would say, afflict the comfortable, uh, comfortable and comfort the afflicted. He would flip it one way or the other. You have quoted like, I love this thing that Tom said. He said he was here to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. And that's what the church exists to do. Well, I love this when I heard it from you. Over and over you all told me this quote. You all were, were quoting it to me because that's the work of Jesus. That's the work of Jesus. That's the work that you've been a part of, that your former pastor, Bishop Berlin, was leading you in. Because Jesus came into the temple right at the beginning of his ministry, as John tells it, and he disrupts the comfortable. There had been this comfortable practice, this exchange going on, money being made, people just kind of like flopping their money down, sacrifice being done, they're gone on about to the festival. They weren't connecting. They weren't encountering the heart of God. And Jesus comes in and says, you got this all wrong. You're too comfortable with this mess. This is all wrong. This is not what my father intended. Let me show you what he intended. And he moves out to comfort the afflicted. He moves out to show signs and wonders and do miraculous work with the people that were on the edge and hurting and longing for that comfort. That's the work. That's Jesus being bold. People hadn't seen this before, so no, long, no wonder that they believed, right? So as we hear about this business of Jesus, grace upon grace, the comfort for the afflicted, our world in need, crying out to us every day about how broken it is. The questions for us today, I think for us to consider, is what do we need to clear out? What have we got comfortable with? What, we, what needs to be clear, cleared out that is not of God? That might be something very personal. Might be something really personal in your own life, in a relationship perhaps, and something that you're engaged in. It just needs, if you can just think about Jesus. I kind of said Jesus, as I say Jesus was bold. Can you imagine me coming in here on my first Sunday with a whip? Right? No. Jesus was bold. He, he comes to the temple in Jerusalem for the first time, and he just clears it out and says, this is all wrong. This is off. This is not what, what my father intended. And so when we look at this, of how we live into, how we see Jesus, how Jesus is shown to us in scriptures, how we encounter Jesus, Jesus clears out what's wrong. And then he moves into the mission of connecting with God's heart for God's people. 
And that's always for those that are on the edge, those that are on the margins, those that are hurting, comforting the afflicted. And that's exactly what he does. He goes. So when you think about that, what, what do you need to clear off? Clear out, that was my first question. And then the other question that comes along with that is where do you need to step out? Where do you need to step out to embrace God's call for all of us to transform the world in Jesus' name? To love as God loves. To look for those on the margin. To look where there needs to be signs in this world today of God's grace. God's incredible love that is known through Jesus Christ when people have an encounter not with us, but with Jesus through us. God's spirit is at work and at life, moving in and through what you do. I was thinking about this. I was thinking about like where, where in spaces do you just need to say no more? <laughs> that cannot happen anymore. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to move over here because God is calling me over here. Sometimes we just stay in that situation of sort of saying everything's wrong. And Jesus could have certainly done that. I was like, this looks wrong, boys. <laughs> you know, this is not what dad intended for, the, for his house. But Jesus tries, you know, both at the beginning of his ministry, as John tells it, and the synoptic gospel, the other gospels, at the end, he tries to correct it and say, this is, this is not worship. Jesus brings people back to the heart of worship, which is nearing to God's grace and extending that grace to the world. Now, there's so many examples of this. I was thinking about examples of where people just really step out in faith. And you, you think about those, those big name examples. And, and God put in my heart an example from my own life. I was thinking about my grandmother. Y'all have heard me talk about her before. She was a school teacher in the mountains back in, in rural Virginia. You've heard me talk about the coal mines and poverty back in the hills. She went to teacher college. She came out of college. Her very first teaching job in the mountains you can imagine this 1930s young teacher. She's been assigned by the county her first job in one of the hollers. And that's what we call them back in these kind of crevices that follow the mountain corridors. And she shows up at her schoolhouse in her classroom for first day of work. And she walks into the school. And she walks in expecting to see some students. And, and she sees her students. But in her classroom, there are no desks. You know, what's in there for desks, this is hard to get your mind around it, is like the dads and the mom of the communities have found big rocks. And they have moved big rocks in and set them up in rows for the students to do their schoolwork on, to practice their handwriting and their mathematics on rocks. This young teacher who has been trained at the college, <laughs> she looks at this and you know what she does? My grandmother was kind of red-haired and fiery is she took one of those rocks at the end of the day and she put it in her car. And she drove it straight to the city seat where the superintendent's office was. And you all that worked in school, you just kind of don't do this without an appointment, particularly on your first day of work, but my grandmother did. And she marched into the superintendent's office and she said, I got something to show you. And he's like, oh, well, you know, how's it going? Miss, how's it going with, with your school? And she said, I want to show you one of the desks from the school you sent me to. And she did. And she looked at him and she said, she said, 
don't you have any desk anywhere in this county, anywhere in the city for my students? Because this is what they're working on in the classroom. And he said, yes, ma'am. We have a few stored up. I'll see that they get there next week. And she said, okay. And she, she, as she told the story, she took off. And by Monday, her students had desk. You know, she, she, she was bold. She took a risk. Jesus took a risk when he did what he did. And we know that that risk ultimately led to him stretching out his arms on a cross, right? But if we follow the way of Christ, sometimes you take a risk. She took a risk of losing her job that day. But she did it for concern of her students. Where are you being called to take some risk? To step out and say, this is not right. Or maybe it more internally, I'm not living right. I need to clean some things up in here before I say anything about what's going on out here. And I need to be bold. I, I don't want to see myself or I don't want to see the situation that concerns me stay in the way it is. Because that's not what God wants. God wants this life where his grace is being extended and extending that grace upon grace. So how do you step in that direction? Step out in boldness. That's a question. That's a question for today. I don't want you to leave. We're going to get ready uh, to sing, musicians, just here in a moment. So I'm going to invite them to, to get ready as I'm still talking. Get ready to sing, and, and you know we close out the service with, with song. As we're moving to that place, I want you to think about how you're leaving here today. Are, are, are you leaving here with something on your heart or in your life that you just need to be bold about, and you need to make a commitment today that I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to do this thing. Or maybe you've just got that urge within you of like, Lord, I want to be bold for you this year. And I don't want to live into those commitments. And I want to encounter Jesus. And I want people to encounter Jesus through me just to help me to be bold. Show me the way to go. You might know exactly what it is. Or you might just be in that place of like, Lord, I want to be faithful. Point me in the direction of faithfulness. And then your next step, your next step with that is, is to go and to comfort the afflicted. Because the world needs Jesus, people. The world needs Jesus right now. All this data that we see about people being lonely and people being depressed and people suffering from addiction and people just having broken relationships and broken lives, Jesus came to comfort all that, to be the bridge, to help the hurting, to extend wholeness. And that work, that call, that call, y'all said in the poll you wanted to serve, that's part of it. I think we can do this together, and I get so excited about it. I hope you leave today bold and excited. Thanks be to God. Let's